Saying no isn't easy. Setting boundaries to protect yourself and to be more productive is the topic of today's podcast. I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, everyone. It's Natalie. As we wrap up 2022, I have learned so much from my guests. Hard to believe we are nearing 100 episodes of this podcast. I appreciate your feedback and your topic ideas. This is one today that I know so many of you struggle with. I've talked about it with many of you. I've received messages from you, and we might not get it perfect, But setting boundaries allows us to be more productive, and more importantly, it sets us up for success with work, our families, and in all of our relationships. I like to say that boundaries mean love. My guest today is a repeat guest, and you all loved her the first time so much, she is back with more. In this episode, Carla Nomberg joins me to talk about what boundaries are, what they're not, how to set them, and most importantly, how to maintain them. Carla is a clinical social worker, parenting expert, and mother. She's the author of five nonfiction books, including an international bestseller. You're going to hear about that today. She gives such practical advice that you can implement right away in your relationships and in your parenting. Carla lives in Massachusetts with her husband and her two daughters. So before we get started, be sure to join me on Instagram where I post almost daily. You will find me at N. Tisdall. And I have a free download I think that you'll enjoy. You can print it. You can check off the 20 ways to make your kids feel loved. A link to that is in today's show notes. In this episode, Carla and I talk about what boundaries are, again, what they're not, how to set them, and how to maintain them. So important. Here we go. Carla, let's get right into this conversation on boundaries. We we hear a lot about boundaries, but I think it's one of the hardest things for us as women to really enforce for ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that's because we as women are taught from the first moment of our lives and through everything, all the cultural society, societal messages that our worth exists in our relationships, right? Women are taught that relationships, taking care of other people, having other people Mm -hmm. like us, being appealing to other people is really at the core of who we are. And when we set a boundary, either internally or externally in any way, the worry is that we are going to damage our relationships. And that I think for many women is one of the scariest things we can do. Have you witnessed it damaging relationships or helping relationships? Oh, both. Absolutely. There have been times when I have found myself in what I would argue are pretty toxic dynamics mm. when um, I end up in relationships. This this happens a lot less now. I'm a little bit older now. I'm a little bit wiser now, right? But whether it's with a family member or a guy I was dating or a friendship where something about that relationship wasn't bringing out my best self, right? It was bringing out behaviors in me, whether it was the things I was talking about or the things I was doing that I didn't feel good about. And so in some cases, me setting a boundaries ended the relationship altogether, right? I I no longer am dating those men 
And that was actually a good thing. In some of them with friendships, the friendship ended altogether. And that was painful. But I think looking back, it was the right choice because there was no way that particular friendship was going to evolve into something better. And then there are certainly family situations where I have set boundaries that I know the other family member didn't like mm. and they weren't happy. But what I found is that setting those boundaries was really an act of radical self-care, an act of self-compassion. And when I did it, what it meant was I have more time and I have more energy for the other people in my life, for my spouse, for my children, for myself, for the friendships and family members with whom I can show up fully mm -hmm. and be my best self, or I can show up fully and be my worst self, where I can absolutely fall apart and they will be there to support me and yeah. get me through those tough moments. So I'm not going to pretend that setting boundaries is always easy. And sometimes it does damage relationships, but I would argue when we do it skillfully, it's going to make help us be our best selves. Yeah. Boy, this is this is just so valuable. And and I think in this phase of of my life and we we both have well teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. You have 12 yep. and 14 and yep. I've got two in college and and one who's 13. That at this stage in my life, I wish I could go back. No regrets because we learn along the way, but I wish I could go back and learn these boundaries and set yeah. some boundaries because at least for me in a time in my life, I loved having lots of friends and lots of people and lots of committees and lots of whatever, but I am so much more, like you've just said, valuing relationships that let me show up that I can just pour into and not trying to nurture these relationships that really aren't benefiting me. Someone said to me years ago, and I, I love this, that if a relationship's not making you a better person, why are you holding on to it? Be it a, a boyfriend, a husband, a, a friend, but if it's not bettering you, it's making, it's bringing out the best in you. Why are you still there for it? And I think that's really valuable. And I tell my teenage daughters that in their dating lives, like, is that, is that relationship making you better? Right. I think it's a, it's a really valuable thing. Can we talk a little bit more about what some of these boundaries might be? I love the word boundaries, love the concept of boundaries, but let's, let's go into some examples. Yeah. So many are coming to mind, right? So there's boundaries around our time, what we're going to spend our time doing. Are we spending our time, uh, joining committees, uh, volunteering for people, hanging out with certain people, taking phone calls from certain people, yeah. anything we do that we might spend time on. Are we spending time staring at our phones, right? Do we need to put a boundary around that? So there's any way we might spend our time, whether it's with other people, whether it's alone, whether it's a personal space or professional space, um, those are things we can look at and try to set boundaries around. Um, there can be boundaries in our relationship, and that may look like not only the time we spend with a person, but what we share of ourselves with that person. Oh, tell me right? about that. Yes, yes. Well, um, I overshare. Some people overshare where I feel like if I if I share more personal, then we'll be closer. And I've had to learn that not everybody gets that. Yeah, look, as anybody who's read my books knows, I'm a sharer, right? I put personal anecdotes in my books and, and there's a lot I don't share in my books, right? There's a lot of family stories. There's a lot of personal yeah. stories I don't share and that's okay. We all get to hold on to our private stories. Yeah. I remember asking my grandfather, sorry, my grandmother before she died, when was the first time she kissed my grandfather who was the love of her life? And she said, I don't tell that story. We all get our secrets. And 
I was like so annoyed to be honest, <laughs> but I also had so much respect for my grandmother <laughs> that there was like this little nugget, this moment in time that was so personal Beautiful. to her that she she didn't want to share it and that's okay. But, you know, we can also think about who do we trust with our stories, with our, with our most precious yeah. moments, with our internal experience. Um, and so we can put a boundary around what we share. We can put boundaries around, I think those are really the big ones that show up for me, what we share and how we spend our time, but I know there are other ones. Well, you, before we jumped on uh, recording, you mentioned internal and external boundaries. What, what's the difference? Oh yeah, thank you for pointing that out. So I think the external boundaries are what other people would see in our behavior. So if there's a camera on the wall or a fly on the wall, what could that record, right? What would that see? So they might see me saying no, to someone who's asking me to volunteer for a committee or something like that, setting a boundary around that. They might see me saying no to a person who's asking me to spend time with them when I don't want to, either because mm. I don't like that person, they don't bring out the best in me, or because they're just not a priority. And that doesn't mean they're a bad person, but it means I have limited time for the people in my life and I can't show up for everyone. It might me be me saying no to a request from a supervisor or a boss at work who's asking me to do a project that's not appropriate for my position or my time. It might even be me saying no to my kids, right? When they ask for something that I just can't give them or I don't wanna give them. Mm. Like my daughter asks me to go to the mall all the time. <laughs> I can't stand the mall. And I take her sometimes, but I don't take her all the time. Sometimes I say, do you have a friend you could go with and I could drop you off, right? That's me setting a boundary around my time. So an external boundary is one that somebody else can see me doing. An internal boundary you can't see. It's a decision I've made on the inside about maybe how much time I'm going to be spend dwelling on a particular dynamic or situation or problem. But it also may be me deciding that I'm not going to share a particular story or experience or personal struggle with someone else. Or it may be me deciding that I'm not going to engage with somebody else's chaos in a kind way. So maybe yeah. I have a family member or a boss or a friend or just someone in the community I know who shows up and tells me some crazy story and they want me to get involved in it. They want me to show up and contribute and like really like let's talk all the, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe instead I just say, yeah, that sounds really hard. That sounds really complicated. I'm sorry that's happening to you. I hope that resolves soon, right? These are kind things and I'm not lying. I mean them, right? I mean what I say. I hope, you know, whatever is going on simplifies, gets better, improves, but I'm not here to get into your chaos because that's a boundary I'm setting for myself. So these internal boundaries can be especially important in situations where we don't have the ability to completely disconnect. Like, I have to go to work. I have to interact with the people in my job. I have family members who maybe really pull for this chaos or drain my energy, but I'm not going to like cut off the relationship entirely, right? So there are ways to set these internal boundaries that I think can still be really kind to another person while also taking care of our needs. Yeah. You know, I, as you were saying that, I was thinking about my old job, not my, not my new job. I teach now in addition to my podcast, but I was thinking about my old job and I, and I know a lot of people will relate to this in the corporate world when someone says, and so I want you to come up, help me come up with ways and things we can give people to say as a boundary without sounding like you just don't want to do the work because I'm thinking in my old job of people would, who would say, that's not my job. 
And it's like, well, wait a minute, you're just trying to get out of doing the work. Like, can you give us some ways to set these boundaries without sounding either snotty or lazy? And I like some of the words that that you used in terms of people's chaos and not wanting to get involved. But how do you set a boundary without seeming, I guess what I'm getting at is without seeming selfish? First of all, I would like to challenge this Please idea. Do. Yes, yes. That it's not okay to be selfish. Like we always think that selfish is a bad thing. And I think that that word will forever carry those connotations for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. But really what it means is, I think there are a bunch of ways to interpret it, but I think one way is to interpret it as I am going to put my needs first. And that is something that is so deeply uncomfortable for so many women. It really is. Yeah. And so one of the things I do And I don't mean this in an offensive way to any of your male listeners, but I think this is a real gender dynamic is I will sometimes ask myself, what would a man do in this situation? Mm. And if I can see a man and not, not a jerk, and I'm not saying all men are jerks. And I think that men are just raised in a different culture. And there are some ways in which men are given Mm. the raw deal too. But in this particular dynamic, I think men have been given more leeway to take care of their own needs first. And again, not always, right? They're, there are exceptions. And so I say to myself, would a man feel comfortable saying no in this situation? And if so, how do I do that here? So in the corporate world, here are some ideas. One is you could just say, I'm not available to do that right now. Or I'm sorry, I'm not available to do that, right? Instead of just saying, I don't want to do it or it's not my job. Right. Because part of it is we just don't want to come off as jerks. So right. Obviously, part of it is tone of voice. Are we being snippy or not? And you can say, wow, it sounds like that's a really big job. I wish I was available to help you, but I'm not. Okay. Another one is that you could say, you know what? I need to go check my schedule and I'll get back to you in a day or two. And sometimes putting that pause in is enough that the person will kind of move on and you won't hear from them again. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's not. But that giving, inserting that time, that break, that pause may be enough that you can either figure out legit like do you have time to do this project and do you want to Mm -hmm. right and it can help you strategize for how you're going to get back to this person you can also just say like i i am huge i'm handling it first of all i i always encourage people don't lie right if it can be tempting to make up a lie and say oh you know what my dog died last night and i'm kind of a mess and i can't help you with that (laughs) well if your dog didn't actually die don't say it because then they're going to come back to you in two weeks and say well your dog's been dead for two weeks are you better talk about right like so don't say that you don't always need to give a reason you don't have to you can just say that's that's an issue for a lot of people is just over explaining or coming up with a reason versus i don't have the capacity for that right now something like that Absolutely. And the other thing to remember is the reason a lot of us come up with this over-explaining or feel bad saying no is we're worried about somebody else's feelings, right? We're trying to take care of the other person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We cannot be responsible for other people's feelings. And that doesn't mean you go around being a jerk and being rude and saying mean things or using a snippy tone of voice or being a snot. That's not what I'm saying. We will do our best to be our best selves with our own behavior. And that's that's where the boundary ends right? We can't take responsibility for how somebody else feels. All we can take responsibility for is our behavior. So this is one of those internal boundaries where we decide, I'm going to take responsibility for how I behave. I'm going to do my best to be a kind person who's living my values, taking care of myself, helping when I can, and saying no when I can't with 
as much respect and kindness as I can offer while still holding that line. And I, I have a feeling when people start doing this, it will be really hard, really Oof. hard. People will push back. Family members will be like, well, wait a minute, you're the one who always ABC and meets my demands or emotionally, you know, the, the, the passive aggressive family member who says something that, you know, I mean, when you first start doing this, it will be uncomfortable. How do you advise people get through that and over that hurdle? Oh, get yourself a good therapist. <laughs> no, I mean, okay. So I was only, look, my own therapist was incredibly helpful with me in terms of strategizing and supporting me through setting some really important boundaries in my personal life. I realized that access to therapy is not possible for many people in this country right now because we have a deeply broken system. We do. So having a person in your life who can serve as a reality check for you. So this is someone whose judgment you trust, and hopefully we all have this, and I realize we don't all have this, but I want this for everyone. Whether it's a friend, whether it's a clergy member in your life, whether it's you know somebody, I don't know who, a family member who knows the dynamic, that you trust their judgment, that you can be honest with them, who will support you through this process and who will say to you, I think you're being a little too sensitive right now, or you could have said that in a nicer way. Or, and that person will also say to you, yeah, that's not your job. That's not your responsibility. It's okay to let that one go. It's okay to not call that person every day. It's okay to say no to that request. We all need someone in our life, I feel like, who can support us through these, Yeah, really changing these dynamics in our lives. Yeah. And maybe you can be that for someone else. Absolutely. Reach out to oh, someone I love and that. Say, can we be this for each other? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What are some other boundaries that, that you think are important that we make? And, and maybe it's something like, I don't do meetings at night, <laughs> you know, or, or, you know, just like simple things that can make our lives easier. So I think this is so specific to each of us, you know? I will happily take a 6 a.m. meeting because I'm a morning person and then I'm up anyways and it doesn't bother me. But if you wanna get me on the phone after 6 p.m., I'm done, I'm toast, I don't want it, right? For some people, they are really available to communicate. This is another boundary we can set over text. And some people, I don't know if you've noticed this with your teenager, Natalie, but my daughter who's 14 wants to FaceTime everything. Yeah, She doesn't wanna make phone calls. She doesn't wanna text. She wants to FaceTime everything. And it makes me bananas. So that's a boundary I have to set with her. You can FaceTime your buddies and I will text with you and I will answer a call, but I don't wanna see my face on a screen every time you have a question to ask me. <laughs> so how we communicate is a boundary we set, when we choose to show up mm -hmm. and how we spend our time. And I really think there is an assumption, especially among moms, that we are going to volunteer, yes. right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is a longstanding assumption from when moms didn't work. Mm -hmm. And if you are a mom who does not work outside the house, you may feel this pressure especially strongly, but whether you work outside the home or you don't, you don't have to volunteer. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing to do if it works for you. And if it doesn't, don't do it. And I will tell you that there were times when I agreed, I said yes to being on committees or planning or whatever, because I felt guilty. And then I was fairly miserable the whole time. Yeah. And so now I have figured out ways that I can volunteer that work with my time, which are basically like, give me something that I can do on my computer while I'm staring at the television mm -hmm. that, you know, I'm happy to write thank you notes to every donor to an organization. But if you ask me to plan an event, I'd rather go scrub my own toilet. Like, please don't do that. And so 
this is really this kind of boundary setting requires us to get curious about our values about our needs and about what we want and then to respect that and it is a great way to do this is to just set a rule for yourself so natalie you and i were talking about the show and i told you the story that years ago i asked a fellow mother at my kid's school to be on a committee with me it was a committee that i hated and i've never been on it again and not because the people were awful just because the, the the content of what we were working on was a terrible match for my style and so i asked this mom to be on this committee with me and she said when does it meet and i said we meet in the evenings and she said i'm sorry i never schedule meetings for the evenings because that's family time and i was like what i mean it was really a mind-blowing moment for me i was like we can set a rule like that what yeah you can just do that yeah and you know religious folks do this all the time people who go to church will say i'm not going to schedule a meeting on sunday morning that's when i go mm-hmm. to church many jews will say i'm not going to do anything from friday night to saturday night because that's shabbat and i don't do stuff on shabbat so if it feels too hard to say i'm setting this boundary for me you know find the context for it find a rule so that in that moment you don't have to say no to the person you're just telling them what the rule is and another great example i have is i don't know if you get this natalie but i have a lot of people who email me and message me and say i'd like to talk to you about how to get my book published and I would love to help all these people. I would love to have conversations with each and every one of them, but I'm not a book coach and I'm not an agent. And I have sort of a weird story with how I got published that isn't very helpful to most people. And I felt bad saying no to them, right? But each of these conversations ends up being 30 to 45 minutes long. And that's time I really need. And many of these people, I don't know. And my husband said, why don't you write a blog post and put it on your website that shares your story, your journey to getting published and the best advice you have. And the next time somebody reaches out to you and says, can we have a phone conversation? You can send them the blog post and say, this is everything I have to offer. So what that really is, is that setting a boundary on my time while also being as helpful as I can. So there can be creative ways to set these boundaries where it's not just you saying no, but you've got something in place already And what that does not only is save you time and you can help this person, but it also means you're not saying no to them. It's not like, I don't like you and I don't wanna help you. That's not what it is. It's saying, this isn't personal. This is me setting my boundary and here's everything I have to offer for you. So if you can have that in place, you know, I have a friend who's a parent coach. She transitioned from being a social worker to a parent coach. And she had so many people reach out to her to say, how did you do this? Can you guide me professionally? That she set a link on her website. And she said, absolutely, this is a service I offer. You can go sign up for a time here. And here's my fee for doing this. I'd love to have this conversation. So she decided she wanted to have those conversations and just charge people for it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. That's yeah. a great way to handle it too. Part of what I'm hearing you say, and I think a general lesson people can learn from this is having the confidence in who you are, your expertise, your family, all of that, the confidence and and just having that sense of, I can do this. And does it really matter if they don't like it? Doesn't like it's, it's, it's confidence. And oh. one thing I noticed as my years in the television industry, interviewing yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of people, that the best sound bites were those who, who would give a sound bite and stop. And I do that in media coaching. When people ask me to help them speak on camera, I'll say, say what you're going to say and be done. But so many people continue to justify what they're saying. Let me, and then they're not quite sure. And then they say a little bit more and they just keep going instead of just say what you're going to say. Maybe it's a boundary, maybe it's something else and be done. 
I love that. Don't justify. You don't have to explain. Just own it. And I think for many women, this is a hard thing to do because we weren't taught that our opinions and beliefs have inherent value. We were taught that they have value to the extent that they support a relationship mm. or help someone else or make someone else feel better. Hey everyone, it's Natalie. I am excited to let you know that I'm opening up spaces for collaboration and advertising and sponsorship on this podcast and on my YouTube channel. If you're a brand looking to grow in the wellness, family, or mindfulness spaces, I would love to collaborate with you. You can find a link to get in touch with me in the show notes, and you can always find out more about what I'm up to on natalietisdall.com. The lessons I learned about this that was so helpful was I listened to Terry Gross. She's a radio interviewer on Fresh Air, uh, sorry, on NPR, and her show is called Fresh Air, and she interviews authors and musicians and all sorts of politicians and different people. And she was interviewing a psychologist named Mary Pfeiffer. And years ago, Mary Pfeiffer wrote an extremely popular book called Reviving Ophelia about young girls and the challenges of, of teenagerhood, if I'm rem remembering correctly. And years later, she wrote a book about aging and how to age gracefully. And I remember, I, I probably heard this interview so many years ago, Natalie, and I still remember that she said one of the things she learned, Mary, this author, psychologist, later in her life, maybe in her 70s or 80s, was that she could just choose to leave a conversation. <laughs> and whether that meant walking out of the room, literally, or just sort of disengaging from that moment, right, with, you know, just not engaging in the chaos, she could choose to do that, and it was okay. And she said, I mm. wish I had known that in my 40s, oh. that I could just choose to leave a conversation. And I, I would like to take a moment and acknowledge that that is a very privileged thing to be able to do, because there are situations in our country, you know, if you are a person of color, you probably can't choose to leave the conversation around racism, right? If you are a person in a job where you aren't working for yourself, where you have a boss and, and there you can't, you don't have the flexibility to leave that job and you have to be in this conversation with your boss, you may not be able to choose to leave it in the same way. So I want to just acknowledge that there are many situations where maybe we can't choose to leave it, but man, when we can just leave it and you don't have to be a jerk about it, but it is not our job to make other people happy, right? Maybe that's the core message about setting boundaries. It is not our job to make other people happy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of it has to do with, and, and I think I learned this as, as an interviewer as well for so many years has to do with women in particular, as you mentioned, and I don't like it that it's like this, but I think it is emotionally. We engage where if I'm talking to someone and they're not giving me the facial expression I need, I continue talking. Other people oh, do that, but that just just be done with what you're going to say. But if, if, for example, you're, you're talking to me and I'm giving you a questioning look, that person might keep talking to be sure you understand, just be done with what you're going to say. Or if it's a boundary, since that's how we started this conversation, it's, I'm sorry, I'm not available. Even if that person's giving you a funny look, you don't have to say, because I, whatever, my dog, <laughs> my kids, whatever, just, I'm not available, whatever yeah, that is. You know, the cool thing about boundaries is you get to decide when mm -hmm. to flex them, right? You get to decide when to hold them and when to flex them. And as you know, Natalie, as we've talked about, I have a few family members in medical crisis right now and their situations, I don't know when they're going to resolve. 
Thankfully, they will all probably be fine, almost certainly, but it's not clear how long things are going to be up in the air for. And so I've had folks reach out to me and want to schedule conversations, interviews, podcast recordings. And I have, have said to them, I am so sorry, but my family is in a medical crisis that I don't know when it's going to resolve. And I'm not putting anything additional on my schedule for the foreseeable future. Please feel free to reach out to me in March because I do want to have these conversations with them, right? And I'm just being really honest. And so for me, so you and I are recording this in no, in December. The month is actually December, because yes. <laughs> that's how things are going right now. And I decided, you know what? It's going to be a few months. And even if my family gets better sooner, I'm going to need time to catch up and to yeah. catch my breath. Yeah. And so I said, feel free to reach out to me in March. And maybe they'll reach out or maybe they won't, or maybe I'll reach out to them. But that's an, if you want to share something, if it is true, and if it feels comfortable to you to share it, you can do that in setting these boundaries. Yeah. Right. So during the pandemic, my family and I got in the habit of ending the day every night watching a hilarious TV show together. So we watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine and we watched Parks and Recreation and we watched Psych and Leverage and all these shows that just left us laughing. And it's like, it is such a core part of my day. It is a time when I feel connected to my family. When I get to laugh, I enjoy watching TV. And I am just so not willing to give that up, especially as you know, Natalie, you've got two kids in college, right? My daughter's going to be in high school next year and my younger daughter's gonna be in eighth grade next year so they are like racing towards moving out of the house and i'm just like you know what i am literally gonna say no to a professional opportunity because i want to watch the office with my daughters Mm, yeah and i'm allowed to say that and if you or any of your listeners are like you know what it's just a stupid office this is not quality time with my kids I want to go take this professional opportunity because my career is something I really value and I'll spend some time with my kids on the weekend. You get to say that too, right? So our values are deeply personal and the boundaries we set because of our values are deeply personal. And when we can root our boundaries in our values, then we're like unstoppable. You know, one of the things I really focus on right now is defining those values. And, and I think, our kids today. And I want to ask you about that in boundaries and our kids here in a second, but our kids today so often don't have a set of values. What are you, what are your values? And maybe that's why they feel lost and you're the expert here, but what are the things you value? Do you value your time, your family, your health, you know, a, a list of things. And, and we have some on our wall in our kitchen. We need to read them every day, but at least they're there for our family. And we actually have one, my husband just wrote, we put on the refrigerator. We all signed it like to regularly define what your values are individually and as a family. So that then when it comes to boundaries, you can look at that and say, these are things we value. I love that. First of all. So let's just say a couple things about values. First of all, Mm -hmm. they're deeply individual. Yeah. There is no judgment. So one of my values is spending every day laughing. I want to laugh every day. I want to crack myself up. I hope that's on your refrigerator. (laughs) I love that. No, but there's a hilarious, (laughs) you 
you know how it showed up on our refrigerator my daughter who is a fabulous artist and she draws like little graphic novel style little people and she's just so great at drawing them she drew a picture of a little girl with her finger up her nose and it is like the most hilarious drawing and it has like front and center on our refrigerator so i don't have like you know i didn't write this out as a value but every time i look at my fridge i laugh because there's a picture of like an eight-year-old girl drawing picking her nose and so your values don't always have to be like these high and mighty like i value integrity and Mm, i value reaching my goals like fine if it is that's great because this is no judgment but it can also be like you know what i really value petting my cat every single day that is a value for me that's fine and how do we know if something is a value when you ask yourself why is this a value and there's no good answer it's just because it is perfect that's how you know you've gotten to a value there's just it's just a thing Don't Mm. worry about where it comes from. But this is a thing that, you know, at the end of your life, you want to look back and say, this is how I spent my time because it mattered to me. So we work hard to share our values with our daughters by how we spend our time and what we do. So we watch, you know, a hilarious TV show every night. We engage with our Jewish communities because being Jewish and like engaging in practicing Judaism and being part of these communities, that's a value for us, right? So we've sent our daughters to Jewish day school. So we're showing them by what we do. My husband really values cooking. I do not value cooking. I value eating, <laughs> right? But my husband really values cooking. So my daughters see him cook dinner for us every night. Wonderful. And oh my gosh, marry a man who cooks. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so the girls really see it through how we act. However, I don't I don't know if my daughters could say with any accuracy what their values are. I think they know the right thing to say, right? We send them to a Jewish day school that's a values-based community we talk to them about this but they're still figuring out who they are Mm -hmm. and so i think it's really important to show our kids through our actions and our words what our values are and that requires us to get clear on them but i think it's okay if your kids don't really know because it's so developmental right and i wish i could have looked back at like 20 year old me and be like don't date that guy he's such a jerk and these aren't your values but i wasn't clear on it then Mm -hmm. right and so through mistake with some values Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I think that what I love is in many schools, we're seeing more social emotional conversations. Mm -hmm. And many of those get to values. I mean, I don't know about you, but like in 1986, New Mexico, this is not what we were talking about. (laughs) And so I think these conversations are much more in the air. But I think this is a moment where the best way to teach our children is to live our values, to share that with our kids and our words and our actions and then let it go a little bit. Mm-hmm. And one of the tricky things about parenting is that sometimes our kids don't share our values, which is extremely rude of them. I mean, come on. <laughs> and and so some of our inner work is to figure out, you know, what are our values? And so family and relationships is like one of my highest values, right? And so if my kid chose to embrace a value or live by a value that I didn't support or didn't resonate with me, I'm probably going to choose our relationship over that, right? Mm -hmm. So I I don't even know what it would be, but like if she chose to be like a gang member on a motorcycle, I don't know. I don't like motorcycles. My dad was in a very bad motorcycle accident. But if she valued that, it's not like I'd be like, I'm not going to be your mother anymore because you ride a motorcycle. Yeah. 
Right. Like I'm not going to cut off our relationship because you value this experience. And so knowing what your values are can also help you like, again, set those boundaries around relationships and hold those boundaries around relationships. Well, and part of growing up, and, and this is what I wanted to ask you in parenting with your parenting books, which you're going to tell us about here in a second, is learning to know what those values are. So, you know, maybe they are different, but discussing them, you know, having conversations about what we value and why we value it. And I think that's absent in a lot of families right now is just having the conversation, you know, the dinnertime conversation without the electronics, you know, those things of what we, what we value, what you value. Yeah. And look, it's, it's hard. And I think it's hard for a few reasons. One is it can make your kids really unhappy and again, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. And so you know, my daughter is going to a lot of social events, bar and bat mitzvahs, other engagements these days, thank goodness, mm-hmm. after the pan- not after the pandemic, but in this moment, she is able to do it. Mm-hmm. And she wants to spend a lot of money on clothes. Mm-hmm. And that's important to her. And that is not something I value. And so I frame it in terms of, look, I don't value spending this money on a dress. But if you want to spend that much money on clothing, if you value that, you can spend your own money and you can mm-hmm. make that money and here's how that can happen. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind con- I really frame it not as we don't have the money because we are fortunate. We do have the money that if she, if we really wanted to spend $200 on a fancy dress, we could for her. So I never say that to her, but I say that's not a value we have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it is perfectly reasonable to value fancy clothing and to value dressing in a way that you feel good about. And so that if that is my daughter's value, I will support her in figuring out how to make that happen. I'm just yeah. not going to spend the money on it. Right. Yeah. But supporting so, her in being able absolutely. to do that. Absolutely. I will support her in it because mm-hmm. I think that's important. But you know, while we might have money for a two hundred dollar dress, we don't have endless money. And so can yeah. we talk about because I, I want to touch on your books because that's how I first met you. Um and I've enjoyed our conversations on this, but specific to boundaries. Yeah. Can we talk about parenting? And what that looks like in teaching our kids to set, obviously they have to have values and all of that, but teaching them at some age of, of this is my boundary to my friends. Like maybe it's drugs and alcohol, or maybe it's relationships or whatever it is, teaching them that it's okay to set boundaries. This is a healthy thing to do. Yeah. So let me tell you my my books and then we'll tie it all together. So Mm -hmm. my, I've written four parenting books and the two most recent ones are right here behind me. The yellow one is called how to stop losing your shit with your kids. And it's about emotional regulation for parents. And the orange one is called you are not a shitty parent. And it's about practicing self-compassion. And boundaries are very much a part of both of these and where it comes in just briefly and how to stop losing your shit with your kids is it's really about knowing our triggers and when we can, at least this is one piece of it, is mm. is recognizing our triggers and when we can setting boundaries around those. So I know that there are a few family members, for example, when I get on a phone call with them, it's likely to trigger me and really get me amped up and overwhelmed and stressed out. And I'm very likely to turn around and yell at my kids. So one of the boundaries I set is I don't answer phone calls from those family members when I'm with my children. Mm. I find another time to do it. Usually I actually take myself out for a walk because being in the fresh air and moving my body while I'm having those conversations make me makes it much less likely that I will be triggered. Setting a boundary is also a deeply compassionate act because what you're saying in that moment is I am suffering, I am struggling, and rather than not taking care of my needs, what I'm going to do is ask myself, what do I need and offer it to myself? And sometimes what we need is some boundaries. In terms of teaching this to our children, it is a hard ongoing process and we need to let our kids make mistakes. Yeah. 
And so the goal is that they don't make a mistake that they can't come back from, right? So I am having conversations with my daughter about drugs and alcohol, and she is currently in a place as a 13-year-old at the school she goes to where that feels a million miles away from her. Yeah. But I grew up with alcoholism and I'm a social worker, so this stuff is on my mind. And we talk about it. And we talk about the problems with alcohol. We also talk about the benefits. Like, obviously, there's a benefit. Otherwise, people wouldn't drink. Mm -hmm. Why people drink, how to do it responsibly, and what are the strategies? So if you're at a party and everybody's holding a red Solo cup, it might feel really conspicuous to not be holding that red Solo cup. So can you fill it up with water? Mm. Can you have one beer and then fill it up with water? And Folks might be saying, oh my God, she's only 13. Why are you talking about this? It's me figuring out what's right for my family, right? We all got to figure out the time to do it. And for me, this is something that's very much on my mind. And I know my 13-year-old is in a place where she can have these conversations before she's faced with these challenges. And we're having the same conversations around sex. And we're having all, and it's, oh my, it's hard. It's uncomfortable, Natalie. I don't want to be doing it, right? I don't value having painful conversations just for the sake of painful conversations. But I really value my relationship with my daughters. And so I'm starting to talk about this. And I know for me what that looks like. If I want to have a conversation with them about setting boundaries in difficult situations, I have to get myself in a good headspace. Yep. That's so right. I can be calm and patient and not get snappy and not be judgmental. And I have to realize that my job is to get to a good enough space where I can let them make mistakes and try things out and test those boundaries. Because although it would be amazing if somebody, if we could just hand our kids a rule book and be like, here are the boundaries that are going to work for you. Just read this and do it. We all know it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. We all test those boundaries. We have to, sometimes the only way we can find the boundary is by like running straight across it. And that sucks. And, but it, it is the developmental process. It is the work and we got to yeah. let our kids do it. It is the hardest thing. I appreciate the advice that you give. And I've learned so much from our conversations and from your books, which by the way, I will link in the show notes of, of the podcast here. So people know where to get them, but where can people find you for learning a little bit more information on your website and your social media? Yeah. So they can go to carlanomberg.com and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Wonderful. Well, I know you're really busy and I know you've got a lot going on with your family. So thank you for taking the time to chat today. And I'm sure we'll do it again soon. At least I hope so. I'm, I'm anxious to hear about the new project that you have because you've got a new book you're in the middle of writing, right? Yeah, it's a book about emotional regulation for middle grade kids, roughly ages eight to 12. It's a kid's version of how to stop losing your shit with your kids. So we've taken out all the profanity. We're calling it How to Stop Freaking Out. It's going to be a fun, funny, engaging, highly illustrated book to help kids with their emotional regulation. And I'm super excited about it. Middle school years are, at least in my parenting experience, the hardest. So I'm glad to have another resource. Absolutely. And I just want to thank you for everything you do to support women and parents. We all need more curious, wise voices like yours, Natalie. So thank you so much. Always learning. Never stop. (laughs) Thanks so much, Carla. Good to talk to you. Take care. Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.